My name is Ava Pop. I live in Chicago. I do mainly full service. I'm working with ProDom scenarios as well. And I do also work a little bit online. That's probably the lesser of the two though. Kind of pre-COVID, I was mostly working full service. I actually started doing more in-person work in hopes to kind of do more pro-dom work, but the market and especially being, I felt being a trans girl, like the most lucrative thing for me at that time was to do full service, especially like girlfriend experience. Because a lot of guys want to date a tranny, but you know, they don't want to it to be public. So I was doing a lot of that, um, pretty good amount of regulars, and it was all out call for me. So I was still going to a lot of hotels, and people's places. I was always pretty diligent about my verification processes and being safe just because of my knowledge in terms of just the danger in terms of being a trans woman sex worker. You know, I've heard, knew a lot about it prior. But yeah, I was just more, more of it. I honestly, I think something that's kind of been interesting is that, so obviously I'm relying more on my regulars at this point, which has cut down a lot of my ability to make money because I'm, you know, I don't have all those one-timers and people coming in and out. That being said, the one-timers I do have and people have actually been, I've been finding more situations where they're safer, easier clients. I don't know what that's about. I think that's just a matter of I don't know actually, but I'm definitely, there definitely seems to be more of that. But yeah, I mean, full service is cut out. I mean, I, I hardly hear from legitimate clients that want to meet, but it hasn't been terrible, but it hasn't been great either. Like honestly, if I didn't have also like unemployment or other ways of making money that I probably would be in trouble. I didn't, wasn't really on um, online platforms at this point uh, or during that pre-COVID. I, I did work in like camming and then I switched over to in-person and I was just pretty much in-person except for like online promotion, but no Twitter account, none of that, no OnlyFans. But then obviously like a lot of us, when COVID started, we switched, I switched over to that as a fail safe. I still honestly need to do more. <laughs> um, uh, it's just, I don't know. I just love the in-person so much more. I, always liked pornography. I was always a very sexual person. I existed as a consumer of trans pornography, especially. Well, you know, later on down the road, I realized that I didn't want to just fuck those girls. I wanted to be one, um, both. And I think at the time I had come out about three years ago and I was processing a lot and I don't know. I just, I started thinking about camming and I started thinking about, I was, I was working as a media artist. I still do. And I was just thinking about live performance. And I remembered how much I was a part of pornography is this consumer. So there was already this initial draw in myself to that world, my aesthetic. Then I started doing it and I just really liked it. Like I liked it, not in a researchy academic you know, way I just, I legitimately just, it worked for me. I, and I needed it. You know, one thing about sex work, like good, like it can be very negative too for a lot of us, but a lot of trans girls, it can be really positive about, you know, at a time when no one's saying that you're beautiful and people are mocking you every day, having a horde of guys telling you that you're a fucking goddess is so 
refreshing, you know? And we know that it's all a, kind of a, a little bit of a game there, you know? It's this hyper-reality of playing these characters. Like, they're playing characters, they know that they're playing characters, and I'm playing a character. But in a way to explore my body, and I mean, we're also talking about, you know, for me, I didn't grow up like a gay man. I didn't grow up that in a queer world. I grew up in the South, and I grew up, you know, even though I didn't, I didn't grow up Christian, but I grew up around that, and I and I grew up around that kind of world. So I hadn't explored my body sexually in those ways, and this was just a way for me to do that. And I just love performing for the camera, and I did that as an artist for a while before this. So I just like, I guess I just it took it, I took to it, and and then I was doing a lot of performance work about intimacy in person, and then I was like, well, maybe I should try out in person. And I was really scared because like I don't know. I don't know I don't, I was scared and um, that's how I got into it, I guess. You know, I it, it was a way for me to reaffirm myself and also this curiosity of going from the consumer to the consumed was really interesting to me. Like thinking about, I was the consumer and I thought at the time when I was younger that I was fetishizing trans women, by the way. And I didn't like that, but I was attracted to the whole thing. And now working through it. So there's this strange, like deep down, I think that there is a powerful cathartic ritual going on when I dominate these boys. I think there's a deep down part of me that I'm not really fucking these guys, I'm fucking my old boy self. And there's something really interesting about that to me. And, I, and I've thought on this and I've sat on this. You know, and those are like the deeper, more philosophical, existential approaches to why I do this. I mean, I also just like being a dirty slut and it's fun for me to express and to be feel beautiful and to and be, you know, in the light. And that's something I never had growing up. I was terrified of because I was repressed and I was in a spaces where if I showed that, like, <laughs> it wouldn't have been good. You know, it's not just like, oh, just come out. Why don't you just be yourself? It's like, yeah, if I want to die or want to like kill myself, right? Like, there's because there's such terrible environments. The majority of cis people and also uh, trans people in the closet, their first experience of a trans woman, trans femme person is through sex work, vastly. That's why most cis men are the way that they are with trans women in terms of fetishization and the idea that we're just these crazy sex demons. I mean, I'm a crazy sex demon, but not all trans women are so crazy sex demons. And if that's the case, which it is, it's ground zero for unfortunately, like, you know, porn and sex work should not be a representation of a, like a complete identity, right? That's not, it's not an educational device for that. Like it can educate about things, but it's not, it should not be the main educator of an entire identity, but it kind of is for a lot of trans women in a lot of spaces. So if that's the case, let's think about representation in there and let's think about what are guys seeing. And you're seeing this in, in camp spaces and many vids and a lot of these amateur porn sites, you're seeing uh, trans women taking control. You know, they're not just getting brutally fucked in like hate fucking industry porn anymore. They're having boyfriends and girlfriends and partners and they're and they're having dynamics and you're getting into their bedroom and you're hearing about the video games they like to play and the books they like to read and the things they like to do. They're people now. They're becoming dynamic and they're controlling it because it's their space. If you use the word tranny in my space, I will kick you out. They don't want that. So we're changing language too, which is another big thing that I'm really interested in because, you know, if you go on Pornhub, 
if you go on those sites or the fact that I have to use sometimes hashtag that I'm not, that I don't like, although I will never use hashtag training, hashtag shemale, um, unless it's like ironic or a reclaiming thing, but not for my promotional devices because we need to change that. So keeping up with the fail, like kind of this backup plan on um, doing online work. But the, you know, of course the problem with that is, is unless you're just kind of lucky or even, you know, uh, like traditional body, hot, cis, you know, have a larger demographic, you're probably not gonna hit the jackpot immediately, right? You have to build up your fan base. You have to build up your uh, content and it's slow sometimes. And, you know, you don't make anything in a month. And then sometimes you do, you know, sometimes you hit big, but like, it's not for me. It's slow and steady. And also that's just because I am stubborn and I work as an artist and I like to like go all, all out on the sets and spend a lot of time and do these really clean, like beautiful shots and like all these different characters. And, but I don't do it in a way of like the traditional sexy ways. Like I'm not a cosplayer. I'm not even like really much in the drag world. Like I'm like contemporary art kind of person. And that doesn't translate really well to like what a lot of like people on the internet that are masturbating to you want to see right which is so frustrating because I like I need to enjoy my work too right and I mean sure I can do the girl next door like oh guess what you just found under my dress shots like yeah those are fine but like you're so boring and they're so just like it's just like wash and repeat. Like how many times are you gonna find a surprise under a dress, right boys? I mean, Jesus Christ, we know it's under there, right? Can we move on? <laughs> but of course, you know, that's hard. And I like to, you know, I like to talk about theory and philosophy and, you know, I come from an ac academic background. I live in the academic world still. And my online world is difficult. That's all I need to say. One big thing is my feeling in the community. Now, I've been in community, many different kinds of communities. And, you know, of course, there's not one community of any group. But, you know, again, like I said, I live also in an art academic world. And I will say, hands down, supportive will be there. And the solidarity in the sex worker communities that I exist in have been very liberating when I've been completely isolated from so many other spaces that I had been in, that I built my life around. And so that's that's been a great feeling for me, you know, in that space. I never did well having a boss. <laughs> I like having that sense of independence and it does give me a sense of independence. And what it does for me personally is now that I've returned back to my other profession, I do not feel beholden to those institutions anymore. Because if they piss me off or they even fire me, I don't care because I got a bunch of money over here and I have a good community and structure. Their meritocracy doesn't mean shit to me. Their games don't mean shit. Again, I'm in the academic art institutional world. It doesn't, it, you know, but I used to be. It was life or death and I was playing the rat game of scrambling with people and this is different. And now I have this kind of real autonomy. So there's that part. That's, that's something that means a lot to me. 
artistically, I find inspiration in both areas. I mean, my world is about thinking about consumption, materialism, objectification, media representation, transmission of body. I mean, I do all those things. And so it made sense for me to explore them. Now, again, it's not just, this isn't always just like this kind of knowledge or even activist pursuit. I feel just in control of myself, you know, and being a trans woman, you don't always feel in control of your body. You're gaslit a lot. The The medical world is not kind to you. Um, you know, there's of course plenty of turfy, swarfy people. And anyone doesn't know what that means. Trans exclusionary radical feminist or sex worker exclusionary radical feminist. And I just want to point out there ain't nothing radical about them or feminist. Now, though it's empowering to me, of course, there's lots of problems with sex work. And it's important that we can talk about that without people going, aha, I knew you were oppressed. Because like any job, you should be able to say what where the holes are. Like any job, you should be able to say there's a problem here, we need to fix it, without saying that the complete system is broken. Now, there's a lot of problems around sex work. And, you know, in terms of trafficking, I mean, SESTA and FOSTA and all these new bills that they're trying to pass are going to lead to more trafficking. But that, but it was never about stopping trafficking for these lawmakers. It's about making groups invisible. It's about erasing. So let's just be clear about that. But like, yes, it is. There's a lot of survival sex work. And there was a point for me to, even though I came in with it, with, with, with the positive intentions and, po and uh, luckily a positive start, there were, there's been moments that I have, I've had to work in ways that was very survival sex work and felt very degrading, you know, but that being said, I never once have ever felt like overall that I've ever been more degraded. Like when I was a server, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like compared to all the different kinds of jobs I've had. You know, it's um, anyways, but yeah, there's a lot of trans women that need sex work to exist. The vast majority of trans women that do sex work are doing it for uh, medical reasons a lot. Like, and that's not, you know, it, I was thinking about this yesterday. It was like, people always made this claim about why is there so many sex workers with uh, uh, mental disabilities or, or disabilities? And it's like, well, they're not sex workers because they're crazy. They're sex workers so they can pay to get better and it's a failure of our medical system <laughs> that's what it's represents that's what it's showing you it's like it's like hey i need to take on an extra job and do this because i want to like help my state of mind and this seems like a really good way to do this and people alienating them because of that doesn't fucking help obviously it makes it worse um but yeah it, back to like trans stuff it's like you know if you go on any subreddit or forum online and people are like god how do you pay for facial feminization surgery or bottom surgery they're like sex work everyone says that and i don't know a single trans woman that either has been hasn't been a sex worker isn't closely adjacent to it or is currently a sex worker that's the truth and you know yeah that's how a lot of us pay for our medical needs um it's how i pay for mine i would not have gotten this far i would not have gotten the things that i've gotten so far without it it's helped me, but it breaks my heart when there's an assumption that every trans woman is a sex worker because not, you know, and it, it's not because there's something wrong with being a sex worker. Obviously, that's not what I mean. What I mean is usually the people that believe that have a very warped idea about sex workers. And 
you know, they're making assumptions that were easy, were desperate. That's another common thing. Um, you know, and then unfortunately in a lot of spaces, that might be true that we're desperate because <laughs> we don't have a lot of resources. I feel like first being trans helped me to not give a fuck so I can move into being a sex worker. And then once I became a sex worker, mm -hmm. I just all fucks went out the window. I don't know. So I deal with it every day. Um, it's hard. You know, I find myself in a lot of feminist circles and, and again, in those other spaces, it's hard to talk about sometimes sex work in certain ways or femininity in certain ways, because again, you know, I'm not perceived into the same caliber or, or everything as maybe cis women are in certain regards. And I found something really kind of interesting is that people that aren't particularly fond of trans women have a very warped idea on, on the sex work that we do. It's like, for them, it's like, fine, let the fetishists eat each other. <laughs> Because I'm an I'm an autogynophile and I'm and I'm very much asking to be abused because that's really a part of the fetish because I'm fetishizing women and I believe women should be abused because I'm, I'm I'm a sleeper agent of the patriarchy here I come girls, um, <laughs> I'm just, just God, God people believe this crap and usually people that would be looking down on sex work tend to probably also look down on trans people that's not always the case and there are trans people that look down on sex work and it's a space for trauma for a lot of us and I, and I completely understand that uh, especially like older trans women that are that came from a very different world you know than now and um, I respect that what I don't respect or don't really put up with are the kind of the first people I was talking about, the people that, the turfs, the swerfs, the, the, you know, the people that are, that don't just literally just don't care. Uh, you know, they're like, isn't that what you want? That's their idea. It's like in their head, it's like so bizarre and dehumanizing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, how do I deal with the, this taboo? Like, again, I guess, I don't know. I, I just don't care. Like, I, I have to just let it go. Like, and here's an easy example of like, of the, that process is, I don't know, like my family, right? Like I lost half my family. I had to regain the other half. They don't know I'm sex worker except for one. Um, and he, my younger brother and he's a sweetheart and love him. But the other ones don't know that I'm a sex worker. And if they find out I'm a sex worker, I'm definitely, definitely super, super disowned. Mega, mega disowned. Which at this point, I'm just like, I don't care. I have my own family, I have my own life, I have my own things. But I still think about like kind of where their mind is, like how do they process that? Maybe it's just like for me to better understand the people that hate what I do so I can debate them. I don't know. Seems like a waste of energy sometimes, but I don't know really where I've got, gotten with that. I know for me, Sex work is a, is is also very much a vehicle to get somewhere that's really important to me, you know? And I don't mean like I'm doing sex work to get like, to a better job. Like this is my job. Like I like this job. I'm gonna stick around it probably for the rest of my, I am gonna stick around for some form or another, like whether I become a, like a teacher or some, you know, or work in an organization later in my life, like it, I will always be a part of this because um, I very much believe in it. And so I don't really, listen to that and I just pay attention to what my real goals are because those are more important than people sneering at me or whatever, yeah.
the silencing of sex workers on these platforms is growing and growing. And as you know, um, they have that recent legislature, I can't remember the name of it right now, but us online sex workers and in-person sex workers are like super like poised to look at any of the legislature that's being quickly passed right now in any of these relief bills. Cause Democrat or Republican, they ain't on our side. I mean, Facebook is, uh, you know, owns Instagram and they've been very selective too. Um, you know, again, a uh, very standard kind of beautiful sex worker probably will get away with a lot more than someone that has a hashtag queer or trans or black or brown or indigenous. You know, it's that those go, those get targeted faster than some white cis woman that's traditionally kind of like in that basic beauty, whatever. Um, or if they're a celebrity, right? Like if they have an X amount of followers, they start to get away with more. But there's this weird like in between where like you're having barely any followers and so you don't have as much traffic to get you like caught but then when you start getting that like that higher range like mid-range it all of a sudden you're like really in the hot seat it's like almost like kind of like a weird like internet glass ceiling so that's something i've definitely noticed but yeah i mean you know, of course, the usual things of like, you know, using emojis to block out your body parts. Um, uh, if you do links or stuff like OnlyFans on your stuff, like, you know, obviously we mess with the wording or, or, or the spacing of the letters because the algorithm doesn't catch it and grab it. You know, there's ways to go around that, but it's just kind of like a race or like this game of cat and mouse, I feel like with the programmers and us and, you know, Twitter's great i mean twitter doesn't twitter knows what it is but it's still like there's kind of the questions of how to play with things i kind of found out this cool i, I have a theory and i'm not sure if it works or not so i've been playing around with projections on my body while taking nudes and i wonder if you can take if you if you can distort the body just enough that the algorithms can't catch a nipple because the like it it centers on something else. So I had all these like glitch like patterns on me, and I have not gotten flagged. And I posted some full nudes, and I'm very curious if that's just I got lucky that time or if there's something more to that. So I have been coming up with this like idea of like what if because they're like there's certain patterns like they've been doing in fashion that like stop facial recognition software so i'm like oh is there like cool like sex worker outfits i could create that like <laughs> it won't be able to like spot the nipple or the butt unless someone reports you i guess but i don't know i need to look more into that um yeah so that's 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 that game now there's another kind of invisibility is again is is about like the 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 people upvotes, right? Comments. Like I kind of mentioned earlier about how like online world doesn't work so great for someone that wants to talk about like politics or, you know, philosophy or art, <laughs> you know, they just want to be to go, oh baby, what would you do to me if you came over to my house? You know, like that's, that's what they want to see. But like, so that's another thing is it's like giving like not just autonomy, but authority in these certain ways. And, you know, I don't mean authority like, I'm a big dumb and I'm gonna make you choke on my cock. No, I mean like authority, like this is my fucking platform. I am a person, a part of society and I, you know, I vote and I make decisions and all this shit. And I want those that representation to see more of that. But the problem is again, is that these boys are used to the other ones. They don't upvote those as much. Like, again, like, you know, 
this has been a big frustration for my kind of standardization I see in trans women spaces again, is that, you know, who gets the most upvotes in tra of trans women? Little petite, white, submissive girls. Like they get all like, yeah. Like if you're, if you're a dominant mask, masculine, butchy trans woman, you might get some, but you're gonna have to work hard. And if you're a black trans woman, good fucking luck on those online platforms. Cause that is, that is a subcategory of a subcategory of a subcategory kind of shit. So there's this, this other kind of censorship, right? And that's more of a social problem, but obviously it does start with the companies and what they start deciding. I mean, shit, like what was it they're deciding that like, I mean, they flagged, like if you hashtag LGBTQ, because in their minds they're like, well, if they hashtag that, there's a likelihood there'll be sexual contact. Because most people in whatever labor industry are used to what labor looks like in their industry, are not familiar what the labor looks like in this industry. And I'm not talking about, again, the more direct sexual parts, like of the other taking the picture or, you know, the, you know, inserting stuff in yourself or, or you know, sleeping with a client or whatever. I'm talking about the emotional labor and what it takes to recover from that and how that's actually a part of the job. That is something that I knew kind of of, but I didn't understand the extent. So it's taken actually a lot of effort and a lot of training in myself to understand what is also and what is and what isn't a part of the job. Cause I'm a workaholic and I and I get I, I get hard on myself about, oh, I'm just laying around or taking baths all day. Well, that's actually a part of the work because it's very emotionally draining to be basically in a relationship with so many people and being on call constantly. Like I'm always on call. Like anyone could text me literally right now and I'd be like, well, that happened now. I'm gonna get back to ASAP. Otherwise I'm gonna lose a client or, you know, whatever. And so this kind of like constant presence is a lot. And also the training of oneself to understand that this kind of labor takes a different kind of recovery and a different kind of endurance than other kinds of work and how important it is to do that. I mean, I think this is also just a matter of me maturing as a human being and understanding my limits and my boundaries. Um, but to understand what that is, you know, and of course just like kind of the more direct stuff. Like, like I remember talking to my younger brother about what work looks like and how like some people attribute that work, that thing I'm talking about as luxury, like, getting my nails done, going to the spa, doing, you know, face masks, working out. Well, maybe not working out. Most people usually see that as work. But, you know, those kinds of things. Well, yes, they can be perceived as luxury. And I love looking beautiful. And I love taking care of myself. But these are also things that I have to kind of do. Like, like they are part of my work. They're part of my job. I have to keep, go I have to keep that going. My body and my personality is my service, basically. So it is important to keep these things honed. And so for a lot of people, like they're like, oh, it's luxury. But I'm like, yeah, it, it can be luxury and it can feel luxurious sometimes for sure. But if I stop doing these things, my ability to get clients and my money will disappear and then I'm out of a job. So that is something to kind of understand and to kind of play around with and to understand what that what that looks like all those things i talked about um what else oh uh, i don't know i guess i'd <laughs> um men are so basic <laughs> men are so basic and boring most of the time you know when i started i was like oh god i'm like i'm not that good looking i don't know what i'm doing i don't like fucking mm -hmm. like 
I'm I'm like I like sex, I fuck, but I'm not like like this ultra porn star doing these crazy moves stuff. I can't like deep throat a cock like very well. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I didn't need to worry about that shit. <laughs> I mean, it helps, but it's like, and it's also the little things that I found with intimacy with 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 other clients, not just client men. But um, you know what really, like you know, I always tell this personality always sells more than ass and it's true you know i i've always found it this way you know sure you're gonna have your kind of like guttural like party boys actually i don't really work with them anyways so just kind of want to like fuck and like be ferocious or whatever like but like i most of my clients are again people that want to have a connection right so it's about personality and i think that's actually been interesting to help myself to understand who the fuck i am because it brings up a lot of questions, right? When you're trying to understand who you're not to create a character, you have to also understand what you are, like truly, to have that kind of contrast, right? And decide what bits and pieces of yourself you're gonna add, take away, or redefine into this kind of collage of this persona that you're gonna be putting out there, right? To be honest, for my, when my in-person clients, I'm pretty much myself for the most part. I mean, obviously I don't tell them like, you know, like stuff that would you know like they could find out who I am but like I'm pretty much myself like maybe a little like a little turned up but like I'm pretty much me and I think that's why they like me so much but my online personas well those confuse the hell out of everyone because no one knows who the hell I am anymore they're like are you a top are you a bottom are you are you dominant are you submissive or like what are you and I'm like I don't know either sweetheart let's just enjoy my asshole and have a good time <laughs> I mean, overall, of course, I, I hope that sex work becomes more of a, a acknowledged uh, just job, you know, part of any kind of social structure. And, you know, it's seen as a job and it's not seen as this outer thing. And not, not just for the sake of sex workers, but the sakes of just people's understanding of sexuality and the openness to think about their bodies, right? Like, hey, you know, honey, you know, you're great at giving me a massage, but I really need to get this kink out of my back. So I'm going to go see a masseuse, right? So instead of kink, a kick, kink, both kinks, actually. Yeah, that's good. Ah, that's good wordplay. Damn, that was a good joke. I just need to rewrite that one. Get this good kink. Yeah. All right. Anyways, so of course there's that kind of approach, right? Like, and, you know, um, giving more agency, obviously much like any kind of legislature in the political sphere, um, who should be making the legislature to affect a specific group of people should usually be someone that understands what that, being that person or that identity or, or within that culture, right? To understand the context of those decisions. Um, will there ever be anything like that? Not anytime soon. But you know what? There's a trans woman senator and congresswoman now. So that's something. And also Secretary of Health, which is crazy to me. Um, so, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll get there faster than we thought. In terms of COVID and in terms of our relationship with human bodies, everything I think is gonna go a lot more digital. We are gonna see more digital playgrounds and it's already happening. And it's happening with VTubers. Now VTubers, are virtual reality YouTubers, basically. These are people that have spent their time programming and creating three-dimensional bodies that they puppeteer, basically, using body trackers. 
So there, uh, the most notable one that's really started was at the beginning of COVID, and her name is Project Melody. Uh, she's like a, uh, she's on Chatterbait. She started out, she's like a hentai girl. So she's a body track hentai girl performing sexually for people on cam stuff. So people get to masturbate at a live feed of a hentai girl that reacts to them saying things, right? She made millions of dollars within six months. Made tons of money. Now there's something really interesting going on here. Obviously, you can what you, you can heighten fantasy. When I can play with literally any kind of sexualized body in any kind of situation, like one day I could be this like big titted goth girl, and then this other day I could like literally be like a tiny little I don't know, the slutty wolf girl. I don't know, like literally a wolf girl. You know, so there's this crazy thing going on in this VR world right now where you're seeing these spaces like VR chat where people are stripping. And that's really interesting. And this question about gender and body and transhumanism is all colliding. And I think that sex work is actually gonna be the forefront of this. Cause I always make this kind of joke about like the heart of the internet is basically a battle between uh, shitty incels and sex workers. And because we all know how to work the internet. We've grown up on the internet. We've always had to keep one step ahead of uh, the companies and censorship. A lot of sex workers know how to code. So I think that there's a big future of working with VR, working with these three-dimensional bodies. And these are actually my current projects because I'm developing some of these. And I very much think that there's gonna be more and more of this. And I don't think it's just a gimmick. And, the, and especially because we're dealing with this situation right now where we are very much redefining what intimacy even looks like in the pandemic. Our, our societal consciousness has changed forever. The way we think about what we take for granted, what we, what, we, what we hold dear, how we interact with the biological structures that are our bodies is gonna change, you know? So I think that the virtual space is gonna be a really interesting space for sex work. Now, in terms of physical in-person, um, I don't know. I'm very curious. I, I've spent so much time thinking about the digital world and I really, again, really think that's gonna be a lot of it. Cause again, I mean, what? Like you work still 40 hours a week and you work like a, like almost like a nine to five sometimes, but like you're safe and sometimes you're making crazy money, like crazy money. So why wouldn't you wanna do that? I guess. Um, <clears throat> But in-person stuff, the Dom thing, I've been really interested um, because I think there's um, a lot of shift in what that even looks like, what kink, like this kind of kink culture looks like, what does BDSM look like, what is what is bondage, you know, like aesthetics look like. It's because a lot of it has become mainstream and it's being revamped by a lot of these Gen Zers and attributed to their queerness and their transness and their identities, right? So obviously it's going to circle back and then professionally it's going to look very different. And actually I'm seeing a lot of this right now where, you know, a lot of my mentors and colleagues are opening up their spaces beyond this kind of the, the typical like black corset, leather, whip look. Like, it, I mean, I love that look still. It's still a fucking fantastic look, but it's could be whatever, you know? And I think that's that's something really interesting. Um, and again, back to like labor and making money and, 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 and like societal taboos. Um, Gen Zers, man, I would say one out of four Gen Zers have an OnlyFans or just don't give a shit. It's fast, it's happening very fast. And you can actually kind of think that our economic turmoil for this 
because of economic hardship, more people are going to take to sex work. And so there's just more people being around sex work. And then, of course, you're seeing celebrities like Cardi B, you know, being like, I was a stripper and more. And like, that's become more of a thing that's okay, at least somewhat, right? Yeah, I, uh, I see a lot of that. I mean, basically, I see us going towards a cyberpunk dystopian future. We're already in one, actually. We already are. We're already here. But I like I really do think aesthetically even <laughs> we're going to kind of look like it. And we're going to be in that space. And I am so deeply excited for transhumanism cyborg stuff. Bring it on. Let's get weird. Um, but really, I think we are going to be in this space where the like, VR lap dances and sex stuff hooked up to simulations your body is going to be a thing i think that the commonality of sex work being a second or third or primary job for people is going to be a common thing because i think economically the united states is in a lot of trouble um and we'll we've just start it's just started the ripple effects are going to be felt for generations for what's happened in these last 10 years especially the last four and um yeah that's a big part you know, I, I think I think that also sex work will be spoken about and there'll be more when more marginalized groups also have more platform because people in marginalized groups, you know, uh, Black, Indigenous, POC folk, trans folk, queer folk, you know, that are comfort precarious situations tend to gravitate towards sex work, right? So we're going to talk about our experiences, whether we're in sex work or not, because it's a big part. Where else are we going? I don't know. That seems like a pretty. That's that seems like my guess overall. Um, cyberpunk dystopian future. But until then, big titty goth girl, VR fucking avatars. Let's get a lap dance. Let's code some fucking hedonism, boys and girls and days and thems. This episode of I'm an Accountant: Sex Work in a New Age was created and produced by me, Sarah Ladenbach. The content and imagery used in this interview have been given to me with explicit consent by the interviewee. Ava Pop's links can be found in the description of this episode. For a list of sex work organizations, including sex worker support groups, please see the links in the description of this episode. Support your local sex work organizations in any way that you can, whether it be by donations or simply reading their material. Mm-hmm.